This is Paul. Paul? What? Paul? What? Did you go out and look at the eclipse today? Did you did you go out and burn your eyes right out looking straight into the sun? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So so now you're as blind as Matt Murdock. I am just as blind as Matt Murdock. Yeah. Yeah. And, and will you but I guess the question is, will you be able to see the love before you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, does Matt Murdock see the love before him? I think he sees it, but he doesn't he doesn't reach out for it, Paul. He's not willing to do those things that he needs to do to be able to hold on to love. But we'll talk more about that later. Right now, we're going to talk about somebody who's probably been holding on to too much love. <laughs> <laughs> And that's Mr. Joss Whedon. You know, we learned today, uh, as I was as I was reading around on the internet today, we learned that Joss Whedon not quite so much the feminist as he uh, has let on. He apparently is quite the scoundrel, as it were. Yeah, you know, anyone, any longtime listeners of the podcast know that I have not been a fan of Joss Whedon for for quite a while. I have enjoyed some of his output. Do not get me wrong. I'm going to clarify. Yes, I liked Firefly and Serenity and Buffy and Angel, um, but but I also feel like he's rather relatively overrated. I'm not the biggest fan of Dollhouse, and um, I, and as much as I enjoy Firefly, you know. I, I don't think it's the end all be all that every, that most folks think it is. And quite honestly, I, I I don't think of Joss Whedon. I don't know. He just feels kind of scuzzy to me. And apparently it's because he's <laughs> relatively scuzzy. Um, yeah. You know, he, he, he and his wife of like 16 years have split up. And let me caveat this by saying that when you get a divorce, as both you and I can attest Feelings are a little sharp, right? Yeah. You know, so and and maybe sometimes you say some things that you don't mean. I meant everything I said, by the way. But <laughs> uh, but maybe sometimes you don't mean everything you say. She uh, wrote an, a, uh, an article in, uh, gosh, I forget which magazine it was, but uh, it published over the weekend. And, you know, she directly quotes him throughout this uh throughout this article. And he apparently was just, you know, having all kinds of extramarital sex and, uh, using his, this, this created, uh, pro feminist, uh, uh, conversation, this pro feminist agenda, as it were, uh, as a personality cover to cover up some of the womanizing things, uh, that he was doing again, according to her, um, I, I I was fascinated and horrified by this article and surprised today, Paul, that longtime <clears throat> excuse me, longtime Joss Whedon fan site, Whedonesque.com, shut down today as a result of it. That's crazy to me. That is crazy. I just I'm like, wow, because I mean, yeah, he may he may be he he may be a womanizer, right? Doesn't mean that the work he's done isn't any good. Doesn't mean that the things that you loved about him aren't still genuine. That you know, you still don't. Doesn't mean that you still don't enjoy Firefly. That you still don't enjoy Buffy and Angel. Uh, I, th- that reaction uh, surprised me a great deal. Yeah, surprised me here. And it just—I mean, it straight up just shut down. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but you know, I, I, I kind of. Here's the thing. I think that Joss Whedon. Whether or not you love all of his work or not, I think he's done really great things for women in pop culture, particularly in geek culture. Right? Uh, whether or not he believes it in his heart, 
the persona that he has put forth has reaped terrific benefits. Uh, I, I mean, you know, the the uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show was, you know, very empowering to young women and still is. I I, I have a hard time discounting, disregarding his work simply because he's a scoundrel, right? Just because you know he was he was bad to his wife, and you know I I, I can't help but wonder, Paul, because we know that Sarah Michelle Geller is very very negative about her time on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you know has no desire to have a reunion show, no desire to do any of that. At least that was the last thing I had heard about. It's been a while since I tracked uh, Buffy in my Google News, but uh, I can't help but wonder if maybe she was one of the uh, the women that he had a relationship with. You I know, mean, and I'm be- sure now. There's going to mm-hmm. be tons of speculation about who. It was. Oh yeah, because she said yeah. you know during his time on Buffy and Angel, so it could have been any number of, of actresses, whether they were lead or bit parts or whomever at this point. Yeah. Um, it, it could have been David Boreanaz for all we know. You never know. <laughs> Don't judge. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I find I find Nest closing down a bit shocking. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they, they, they have obviously very strong emotions regarding this, um, re- regarding uh, this piece, because, I mean, the, this site has been up for 15 years and they stro- then they just it, shut down as a result of this. Shut that mother down. I mean, that thing has been around forever. I mean, since I had a dial up connection, that thing has been around. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging crazy. them. It's just yeah. uh, it's it's very interesting that that's the choice they made so suddenly. Um, they're not even trying, you know. They're not even trying to to defend it or anything. Right. And and perhaps they know better. But I would I would think that, quite frankly, and and I say this with no mal- malicious intent. Right. Why would you have a website dedicated to a man without a little bit more knowledge to the man about the the gentleman himself? Mm-hmm. Because quite frankly, it's for lots of folks. This isn't new news. It's just out there. Right. Um, you know, right. it, it, it's been suspected. It's been said. It just not by his ex-wife. I mean, it was, and, and you know, and Joss, you know, he, he had representatives say, it, you know, there are a bunch of inaccuracies, but we're not going to comment out it out of respect for her and the family. And you know, whatever. Um, you know, she, well, she she is entitled, and I'm sure the things that she said are are you know, I'm sure there are accuracies and inaccuracies in there. But at the same time, what it boils down to is Joss Whedon's a jerk. But you know what? To your to your earlier point, I find it hard to understand a website that has dedicated themselves to the man's work automatically shutting down because he's an asshole. It's not like he's well, yeah. a rapist or a murderer. He's right. just an asshole. No, exactly. I, that's and you know you enjoyed that work, and so I mean I think that I think that people need to understand what they're being fans of. Are they being fans of of uh, the work or are they fans of the man? And if you're a fan of the man, sure, absolutely step away. But I think most of those people are fans of the work. They just lumped in the man. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I just, I feel bad for him because I'm like, damn, you know, you, you just thrown away 15 years of your fandom over something that, that really doesn't have anything to do with, with what you have enjoyed. You know, other than other than you crowned him as a messiah, yeah, and, uh, and and now he's let you down. But that's what happens when you raise people up to to a uh, unreasonable standard. Yeah, 
it's it's, it's it's very interesting and here's the thing i respect their choice i don't necessarily understand it um yeah. I, I find i i think warner brothers right now probably crapping their pants a little bit <laughs> uh, well you know here's here's my thing paul i don't know i i, I don't know that you can't be a legitimate femi- feminist and not also be a womanizer I right that's a fair i mean point. I'm not sure that the two of those things can't coexist because, you know, I assume that the women who had relationships with him outside of his marriage, right? You know, he was in his marriage, but he was having relations outside of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I assume those women were adults, mature and able to act of their own accord, that he wasn't roofing them or raping them. I assume that these were mature relationships where both people went in understanding the nature of the relationship. I don't know how that is anti-feminist. And I've seen a lot on online today that suggests that it is. I'm, I'm not, a, I, I'm not a woman, but I don't understand how the, how the one thing negates the other thing. Cause one thing's about sex. The other thing is about uh, women's rights. It didn't say that he was objectifying women. It didn't say that he was degrading women. It said that he was having relationships outside of his marriage yeah. and that he was terrible to his wife. Don't get me wrong. He apparently did some – did some, uh, according to his wife, according to the article, did some wicked, terrible emotional stuff to her. But that just makes him an asshole. Yeah. That doesn't make him uh, not a feminist. Anyway, I, I just – you know, Paul and I discussed, do we talk about this on the show? And I said, absolutely, we talk about it yeah. on the show because this this is neck deep in the middle of geek for us and one of our heroes Well, one has of fallen. your heroes. F that guy. I don't think we're here to defend Joss Whedon one way or the other. I mean it sounds yeah. like the guy's an asshole. It sounds like his wife was – poorly treated um after after she has gone through a, a traumatic situation um she is she is writing about it very publicly um and you know whatever I, I i get it she's saying all these people idolize him as a feminist however i want you guys to know the truth so whatever you know their private life has now come out in a very public way uh you know is it going to harm his career i don't think so you know it, i think it's one of those things where michael bay supposedly made Megan Fox wash a car for her Transformers audition. <laughs> and, and he's still, and he's still making billion dollar movies. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the wheel keeps turning you and you can be an asshole and still be an, an excellent filmmaker. Um, you know, and, and he's not Bill Cosbying people. So it's just a matter of, you know, with the, with the website, not supporting him on that, you know, because, because, uh, they don't want to support his ideals totally understand but it's just a it's an interesting choice but you know uh it's a i i'm i'm from from a fan standpoint you outside of it outside of the situation like i said uh i i do wonder i do wonder how this will influence like dc already has a bit of a warner brothers dc already has a bit of um a cluster on their hands and when it comes to right. the promotion of justice league, cause Zack Snyder's probably not going to want to do press and, or maybe he will, but you know, they were also, they, they would probably just get Joss Whedon to do it instead. And now it's like, ah, eh, well maybe not, maybe not. Maybe we'll just have, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll just have Ben Affleck. He has a happy marriage. No, wait, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've got some bad marriages over there in, uh, in, uh, DC land. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. You know, I, I, I gotta tell you, it doesn't affect anything I think about the work that he's done 
Uh, it just makes me think that maybe he might be a weasel. But, uh, you know, Paul, I couldn't find any weasels over in the Defenders. I, uh, I, the Defenders hit uh, uh, on Friday on Netflix, and I am seven episodes in already. Are you really? There's only eight. Are there only eight? I was I, I I didn't even know what the count was on this this thing. Yeah, I'm seven in, and uh, oh man, I, I have enjoyed the hell out of some defenders this weekend. Uh, so tell me, what do you think? All right. So disclosure: I have not finished Luke Cage. I have not even started Iron Fist, but I went ahead and jumped into Defenders just to give it a shot and you know, just to talk to be able to talk, speak to at least the first episode in regards to uh, to talking today. Um, so I, I am nowhere near as far in the Defenders as you are. And feel free to talk freely about it. It's fine. Um, but it's one of those things that the first episode reminds me how much I missed the Daredevil crew after the last three series. Right. Um, right. You know, it was good seeing. And I will say it was good seeing Jessica Jones again. Um, you know, we yeah. haven't seen her in 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 any of the series since Jessica Jones. Um, and I right now I'm still fresh on Luke Cage. Uh, but. You know, um, I, I have not seen Iron Fist, so I did not have an immediate connection to Danny Rand or um, I, I don't know who the, the the lady with him in the first episode is. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't have that connection yet. So it wasn't like a pleasant return to their characters. And, and quite frankly, I, I will say out of the f- five plot threads that were followed in the first episode, which are the four main characters and Sigourney Weaver's character, um, they had the least interesting bits, I think. Well, I uh, I really enjoyed the fact that they got somebody else. It seems I didn't even compare it in the credits, but it seemed like they got somebody else to coordinate stunts because uh, Danny Rand is suddenly a much better fighter than he was in Iron than in the Iron Fist series. Um, I'm not going to give any spoilers, not even a spoiler for the first episode, other than to say. I think they really got it right on the Defenders that the buildup's been fantastic. Uh, there's some genuine humor in the show. Um, I love watching the relationships build. Um, you know, I, and finally, you know, it feels like the villains are on par with the heroes. Uh, I am super digging this show. Yeah, I the first episode was was really good. I will say yeah. um, it, it starts very strongly, even though there's not much that happens. It's really just here's where everyone is at, at the moment that we're starting this story. And then it kind of picks up at the end. Um, yeah. But I enjoyed it. And I got to say, like I said, um, I, I, I have to reiterate a bit. I really, really loved seeing the Daredevil characters again. Yeah. I feel out of all four Netflix shows. And again, I have not seen Iron Fist. Um, that cast is the most charismatic and the most likable. Uh, and, and it's probably because they're likable characters. Like, you know, they yeah. went out of their way to make Jessica Jones a bit of a jerk. And Luke Cage, you know, he's kind of got the heart of gold, but he's not, you know, he's not a saint. Um, you know, but th- those Daredevil characters are all good people. <laughs> and that's I, yeah. what I like about it. Yeah. Well, there is a wonderful moment. And I will give a little bit of a spoiler. It's very minor. But there's this wonderful moment where the characters are finally all together and they're sitting in a Chinese restaurant. And Danny Rand is trying to convince them that, you know, they all need to team up. Right. And none of them want to team up. All of them are are, are very much of a mind that, uh, you know, they, they should they, 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 they need to you know be on their own. You know, Luke wants to be on his own. Matt Murdock didn't, didn't, didn't want any part of this. Jessica Jones is a loner. And uh, Danny Rand says, look at you, blind ninja. 
man with unbreakable skin. And he looks to Jessica Jones and he goes, whatever you are. (laughs) (laughs) It just really cracked me up. It just really cracked me up. Whatever you are. I mean, it's like if Howard the Duck were sitting there, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I'm looking for, so I will, I will be honest. I, I will probably not hop back into the series until I have finished Luke Cage, which I think I'm on episode I think I have finished episode 10, maybe. Um, but I, I will not go back to Defenders until I have finished Iron Fist. Because I really do want to. I feel like they're going... It feels like um, they're touching on elements uh, that that were set up in the other series. And I don't want to... Like, I already, having watched this, ruined how um, Luke Cage ends. And I don't want to right. um, continue doing some of those things. Understood. So I, I will finish the other shows and uh, hop back into the Defenders proper. But it is only an eight episode series. I think they just wanted to have this, this you know, quick, quick and you know, action packed storyline. Um, and then uh, I, I believe at the end of the final episode, there is a teaser for the Punisher because um, I think that is the next show to oh, yeah. be released. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one too. You know, um, I know we we have a we we didn't mention this in our outline, but I'm going to talk about it anyway um, because we didn't get a chance to talk. Uh, we had. In our last episode, I had told folks that uh, Batman, uh, Harley Quinn and Batman, or Batman and Harley Quinn, the new DC animated film was coming out, and they were going to show it at the movie theaters. And uh, I I went and saw it uh, at the movie theater. And I will say, for those of us who grew up on Batman, the animated series, and hopefully, Andrew, you're listening to this podcast. For those of us who grew up watching Batman, the animated series, who, who feel like this... Batman the Animated Series is something I loved as a kid. I'd love to introduce my child to it. And they see this movie and they're like, oh, it has the Batman Animated Series designs. You know, perhaps it has that same feel and that same flow. And I should take my kids to see it. Do not take your kids to see Batman and Harley Quinn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Batman and Harley Quinn is a raunchy comedy done with the Batman the Animated Series designs. And whether you like really? it or not will depend on how you feel about that kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, it's. I enjoyed it. I will say I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I, I had a number of, of genuine laugh out loud moments. I brought Jen with me and she enjoyed it as well, which was surprising um, because, you know, right. she probably wouldn't have even gone. Uh, but 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 no one else was available. So she took pity upon me. Um, but I, I will say it, it is. I mean, there are sex jokes there's um profanity it is it is genuine there are there are references to to hard-ons and vibrators and all sorts of good stuff uh inappropriate for for your youngins so uh it 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 earns its pg-13 rating um you know there's not like nudity or anything you're not watching fritz the cat um or or heavy metal but um, you are watching an adult cartoon, so just be aware of that. Uh, but if, if that's something that you think would be funny, um, it is, it's kind of got that campy, uh, raunchy humor. And I, I did enjoy it. I, I, I did think it was worth seeing. Um, just know that you are not watching a continuation of the Batman the Animated Series story, regardless of how the designs look. Wow. Wow, that that's really surprising. Yeah, I was I was surprised I, <laughs> at one point. Yeah, at one point Harley Quinn makes reference to you know I'll, I'll give you a call when my batteries are dead. And Jen looks at me and she says, "Is this why you read comic books?" And I'm like, this, <laughs> <laughs> "I'm like, this is not what happens in the comic books." <laughs> that's a stare. You're reading porn, aren't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Well, Paul. Yes. I think it's time we got down to it and talked about the metal. Yes. D- Dark Knight's metal number one came out last week and is the reason we're actually getting together this week. Um, you know, we and the reason it's just Aaron and I is we we had a, a different recording schedule this week and we just, just decided we really wanted to talk about the release of D- of Dark Knight's metal number one, given how big of a deal it is. Um, now, what I find interesting is that Dark Knight's metal will be about halfway through its run when Doomsday Clock starts later this year in November. So you're going to have two large scale DC events going on simultaneously. Um, I don't believe Doomsday Clock crosses over into other books, whereas Dark Knight's does or metal does. Um, so that's a, a bit of a difference, but um, DC is going all in on the, the big epic events this year. And this is the start of the, the, the return of the Batman creative team of Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapian on inks. And so Aaron had, had a bit of a confusion because mixed in amongst the variant covers is an ad for action comics. I can't believe you're going to call me out like that. <laughs> I'm straight up going to call you out. <laughs> so at the, <laughs> I am going through the covers and they've got like one, two, three, four, five, six covers in here. I thought there were seven. And I'm looking at, at this this one cover. And I mean, they're just, you know, in the digital edition, they're just, you know, they're all lumped together. And we get to the end of the book and I'm like, huh. And there's a character, you know, revealed at the end of the book. And on one of the covers I was looking at, it says, Mr. Oz's identity revealed. And uh, so I t- I'm talking to Paul and I'm like, uh, I don't I don't get the how that's Oz. He doesn't seem like any he doesn't seem like the guy we've seen in the books. And Paul's like, what are you talking about? And so Paul, <laughs> uh, I, I explained Paul what I'm saying. Well, that cover, it said it said right there, it said Mr. Oz's identity revealed. And the guy at the end of the book, I don't see how that's Mr. Oz. And Paul's like, um, that wasn't one of the variant covers you were looking at, Aaron. It was an advertisement for Action Comics. Oh. <laughs> I understand your confusion because it in is my mixed defense, in amongst the variant covers. It is lumped right in there. <laughs> yeah. I just I, I didn't I didn't I didn't scroll. You know, my eyes didn't scroll down to see, you know, Superman Action Comics, the Oz effect, you know. September, (laughs) I just saw Mr. Oz's identity revealed and, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants, Paul. Yes. Well, that's coming, Aaron, next month. And Joss Whedon says much the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So anywho, um, yeah, you know, other than that. (laughs) So, So, So metal. So other than that, metal begins with DC superheroes on the new war world after Mongol has um, started up a new war world post his last appearance in the pages of action comics. Um, and, you know, they, they, they said, how, how does he already have this? And, you know, they, they make reference to, to those things before moving on to um, trekking back to earth and uncovering a, a, a ruins that have been uncovered or kind of popped out of the ground in the middle of Gotham city. Um, and it, unlocks this ancient mystery. I'm, I'm summarizing the book because quite a bit happens in it um, involving a dark multiverse. You know, we have long known that there are 52 universes in the DC universe. Now they're saying if you flip the map over, 
there's a dark multiverse of infinite possibilities um, before moving on into uh, the, the concluding scene that we'll get to here in a minute. It is, uh, it is um, a rather packed book, lots of stuff happening, lots of exposition, uh, lots of setup for, for the storyline to come. Aaron, what did you think of the beginning of Metal? Um, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I, uh, I was not as impressed. You, you, you saw a lot of people online who were very impressed by the combined Justice League machine uh, that we see in Battleworld that's a little bit of everybody, right? You know, a little bit of Cyborg, a little bit of Batman, a little bit of Superman, a little bit of Wonder Woman, uh, a little bit of Aquaman, Green Lantern, yada, yada. Um, I, I did not care for that design one little bit. And I know it was designed to give me a toy at some point. <laughs> I did not think that was that was attractive or interesting looking. Really? It was just a bunch of pointy edges as far as I'm concerned. Nice. And I likes me. I likes me some robots. I did not care for the design of this thing. Yeah, I could see but, that. The Voltron-esque design. Yeah. And it just, again, I just, I didn't care for the design of it. I, I think Greg Capullo does great stuff. I just didn't care for the design of it. But I loved the rest of this book. Um, I, I thought the art was great. I, I really enjoy Greg Capullo drawing uh, the Justice League. Um, I, the, when, they did some st- stuff in this book that I really like. In the DC books, when somebody walks in a room and there's stuff on the chalkboard and you get to read what's on the chalkboard, well, uh, like they did in, in uh, 52, right? Yeah. Um, what I liked about this one was when they walked into the chamber and you just see Red Tornado standing in the corner and you've got that the, the pod that you later discover the challengers of the unknown are in. It just makes the world feel so deep and textured. Yeah. Um, you know, I just – that's one of those things that I really enjoy – um, and I, and I hadn't realized that we hadn't seen red tornado in the new 52. Neither did I, um, yeah. you know, I guess we had seen them in the earth two book, but not necessarily yeah. in the DC universe proper. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a new to me. I enjoyed seeing Greg Capullo draw the justice league. Yeah. Um, I think I've only ever, I think he's only done that once before in the pages of a Batman book where they were possessed by the Joker serum or something. Um, but outside of that, you don't necessarily get to see him draw the Justice League very often. And he did a, he did a damn good job with it. Um, I enjoyed that opening sequence. Um, I see your concerns about the design of the, uh, the giant robot. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do think, so a couple of notes that I want to make is that, you know, a lot of people are coming into DC metal, you know, like ready to, to hop onto this new epic thing and, and you can enjoy it on its own merits. I feel like you are missing a lot if you haven't read other books though. Yeah, I would agree. Um, if for, for those of you who read this book and you're wondering who Barbados is, the demon, um, thing, you know, they mentioned that the dark multiverse is kind of, uh, I think headed up or, you know, the, that, that there is a, a demon that lives there called Barbados, um, at some point. And, uh, you know, they don't really clarify what that is other than the fact that Batman knows what it is. And so I hate to recommend these books cause they're not terribly good. Um, but I would recommend reading final crisis and the return of Bruce Wayne, both written by Grant Morrison, because both are very heavily played into in this storyline. I think, um, I think the bar, the Barbados stuff is front and center in Grant Morrison's run on Batman, um, especially the return of Bruce Wayne. So I really feel like those are, are necessary reads, uh, before you hop into this book. At least if you want, I mean, you, you can enjoy this book on its own, but I feel like you're going to get more out of it if you understand what those references are. 
Well, I, I, I have not read the, those books and nor do I plan to. <laughs> now, the, are we spoiling the end of this book, Paul? I think we should. I think it's already okay. DC spoiled it. So, okay. So the very last page of the book, we have somebody step out of the shadows and it is, uh, uh, the Sandman from the Neil Gaiman books, right? Yes. And, uh, I am not a vertigo guy. Uh, there have been very few vertigo titles that I've really jumped into and I am not a Neil Gaiman fan. So I can tell you, I have read one, maybe two, uh, Sandman books in my day. Uh, I am more of a Justice Society of America Sandman guy. Um, so I was not enthused when I saw Sandman make an appearance. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people were. I, I will say I was not a, I, I did not read Sandman, not because I didn't care for it. I just didn't really read it. I'm not the biggest Neil Gaiman fan. Um, but I understand the, you know, the implications here or the surprise here was probably just as shocking for some as as the Watchmen at the end of sure. DC Rebirth. Um, yeah. you know, these are two uh, properties that I don't think anyone ever expected to cross into the DC universe. Uh, even though this death did pop up at some point in action comics um, from Neil Gaiman's Sandman book. But I, I think in general, no one really expected this stuff to, to pop up in their, in their Dark Knight's Metal or their DC Rebirth number one. And now it's basically becoming, you know, it's not just in there it's very heavily um you know it's it's very much front and center um in both books so i think it was a a last page reveal that probably meant more to most than me yeah no i agree i i i understood the gravitas of it and that the implications that it would have it just doesn't doesn't ring my bell yeah but it, it, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the book i just and i understood who it was you know, he said, I'm the dream of the endless. And I was like, okay, okay. It's the same man. That's cool. You know, that that's unexpected. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not like it, for me, it wasn't like, oh my God, like the, the right. you know, the, the Dr. Manhattan at the end of, that's um, right. At that's the right. end of uh DC rebirth was, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh, shit, shit just got real. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul, you in for the rest of metal? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a damn good book. I was fully worth it. I don't know. Did you watch the uh, video that Greg Capullo put out this week? I think it was on DC All Access. No, I did not. It was, you know, I didn't really tell you anything other than just how excited he is to draw the book and how much, you know, he enjoys uh, drawing again with uh, Scott Snyder. Uh, but it was it was uh, him being rather animated and being very metal uh, with all of his uh, guitars behind. Him. Ah, so. Yeah, uh, it, it was an interesting little video. If you get an opportunity to see it, check it out. You can see it on Instagram. Yeah. Well, metal is definitely you know the vibe they're going for. You know, Batman's riding dinosaurs. The the Justice League is is in a Voltron esque robot. Um, I think we're and you know the if you've seen the designs of the the Batman of the uh, Dark Multiverse, I think we're in for a storyline that that is going to play into to Greg Capullo's strengths. And I think they're going to have a lot of fun with it. And, I, you know, I hope they don't get I don't get I hope they don't get too, too mired in um, in exposition and storytelling and just let the story happen. Well, and, and it's just, and have a good time with it. Yeah, it certainly feels very secret warsy to me yes. that it is uh, built to sell some toys. 
I, 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 you know, when you look at the designs of those, you know, variant Batman, which is exactly what they are, <laughs> this is a story to sell some toys. So buckle up, friends. We got some shopping to do. <laughs> so, Paul. Yes, sir. You want to talk about what's coming out this week? Well, this week in comic stores, there's an interesting... Well, there's a couple of new books from... There's DC Comics, there's Action Comics, Detective Comics, all of st that stuff that we've enjoyed. Last um, episode I had of Funny Books, I had talked about Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps that featured the new gods. Um, so that storyline continues. Follow the gods, chapter two, in the pages of Green Lantern, or Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 27. Also from DC Comics, Batman and the Shadow, issue five. Coming out, very excited there. The Jack Kirby specials continue with the Manhunter oversized special. Uh, the creative team on that one is Dan DiDio, Keith Giffen, Sam Humphreys, Nick Bradshaw. Um, featuring a, a sh a, an Etrigan the Demon short story by Sam Humphreys and artist Klaus Jansen. Klaus Jansen. Um, so interesting creative team there. Uh, also from DC Comics, there is Nightwing the New Order. Uh, this is a book written by uh, Kyle Higgins, who's uh, known for doing some, some pretty damn good uh, Batman work. Uh, he wrote Batman Gates of Gotham. Uh, art by Trevor McCarthy. In fact, I, I believe this is the team that did that Batman Gates of Gotham storyline. Uh, that it, This is an alternate universe, uh, the story of a future world without weapons, where superpowers have been eliminated and outlawed. The man responsible, none other than Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Nightwing, now leader of a government task force called the Crusaders, who are charged with hunting the remaining supers. But when events transpire, which turn the Crusaders' aim towards Grayson's own family, the former boy wonder must turn against the very system he helped create with help from the very people he's been hunting for years, the last metahumans of the DC universe. Um, I will be picking this up. It kind of seems kind of like a, a, a red sun version of Nightwing. Uh, but right. it, you know, I, I enjoy Kyle Higgins writing um, and, and Trevor McCarthy's art. So sign me up for that one. Uh, and yeah, no, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, and if you pick it up, let me know. Uh, we, we can definitely talk about it. And we'll see, Paul. We'll see. Just do it. <laughs> and uh, from Marvel Comics, we have the penultimate issue of Secret Empire in Secret Empire number nine. Um, only two more issues remain, and then we get into Marvel's big reboot uh, of Marvel Legacy, which uh, they're not calling it a reboot, but they're kind of making it a reboot. <laughs> All righty, then. All righty. Anything else this week, Paul? I think that is it from what I can tell, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what comes out as the week progresses. Very exciting. Well, guys, uh, you know, it was good getting together to talk about a little uh, Defenders, a little metal, and the man who broke all of our hearts, Mr. Joss Whedon. Have a good week, Paul. <laughs> That's how we're going to end it? <laughs> he broke our hearts, Paul. How will we ever love again? <laughs> Pretty easily. <laughs> Just like Joss Whedon. Ah. <laughs> Bye, <Nice>. folks. <laughs> Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Podcast.